0: going to find my um page i don't even know what i'm trying to find right now anyway we'll get to it in a second i'm going to say thanks to praise and worship this morning to everybody <clears throat> yay all right thanks to everybody who cleaned this week who disinfected this week everybody who uh did anything for the ministry this week we appreciate it very much the lord appreciates it and we do too Thank you. I want to say thanks to Eric for handling all the announcements, the welcome, all the way down to uh, offering and everything. Thank you very much. Yeah. All right. Amen. All the praise and worship, guys. I think I already said that, but just to make sure. It was wonderful. And gals. I say guys generically. You know, obviously there were gals too, right? I must not need to go there yet, so i just wait. Just wait. I'll, I'll share a couple of things with you. Let's let's thank God. Father, we just thank you so much for a warm place to, to gather where your presence is. Not in the building, but in the people. Lord, we worship you this morning, thanking you this morning for all that you are. And we just praise you. In Jesus' name, we bless the word as it goes forth. And right now, We just bind sickness out of the place. Any type of sickness, any type of disease, any type of infirmity. For by his wounds and stripes we are healed and made whole. And we are. We receive it right now. Thank you, Father. Everybody, you need to to receive it. In Jesus' name, we receive it right now. Thank you, Lord God, that this thing the world has deemed as something fearsome, COVID-19, is dealt with. Through the blood of Jesus Christ and by his wounds and stripes. So we call it dead. We call pneumonia dead, bronchitis dead, in the name of Jesus Christ. They are destroyed through faith in the name of Jesus Christ. And we just thank you, Father, for all other diseases, all other illnesses being defeated when they come up against your mighty name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord God, for all the addictions. They're cast down in this place now in the name of Jesus Christ. Any demonic involvement that tried to come in with a person this morning, we command you, be gone. Be gone in the name of Jesus Christ. You'll cause no confusion here. We bind you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. By his precious blood shed for his saints. By his precious blood shed for his saints. We claim deliverance as promised in the Holy Scripture. We claim it in Jesus' name. We claim it in Jesus' name. We claim it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And we praise you. Father, we just thank you for the mind of Christ. You've given your believers right to pursue the same mind that was in christ the same understanding the same submission to your will father we pursue the mind of christ this morning and we love you in jesus name Amen. amen so i'm going to share this with you just real quick um i'm listening to praise and worship this morning not here on the radio i came up this morning early and um it's, it's a beautiful sound. It's a beautiful song. And the, 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 the person singing says, I don't need riches. Um, and they're talking to say, I, I can't even take it where I'm going. You know? And, and I understand it's this whole I don't want the world type thing, right? But I, wanted, I want us to be real thoughtful and reflective. Because you have to be careful and guard yourself. You have to guard your soul from what you hear. Because that kind of stuff sounds wonderful. But, you know, I wonder if the person singing it gave any thought to how much it cost to build the studio they recorded it in. I really doubt it. And they're singing that song. And it's probably done at Sony's Christian Recording Studio or somewhere. It's probably about an $8 million studio building land and probably a million a year at least just on payroll for the people who do the, Christ, the christian stuff you know and then how many how many hundreds of thousands did they spend marketing that song as they sit there and say i don't want any of it but your song if recorded in a barn would never have been heard never have even been heard wouldn't have affected a soul so we got to be careful what we're thinking and what we allow into us because we're saying that stuff and we're not realizing the big picture of what god's trying to do he's trying to save a world right he's trying to save people <laughs> and people are influenced by other people And if you can't get in front of people you're not going to influence anybody and so we say those kind of things you know like i'm so free from all this but if they really were, would they have gone to a place like that and recorded that song? Wouldn't they have just stayed in their bedroom and done it and just put it out on YouTube? And nobody, It probably wouldn't have touched anybody. You see what I'm saying? It's time for a church to mature, especially the spirit-filled folks that really believe that they can just curl up in a corner and just totally forsake everything and just spend time with God. Like That's going to help anybody else. Them just curled up in their room spending time with God Like Jesus went around and all he did was just spend time with God, you know? He spent time with people and influenced people. And he had to stay up nights to spend time with God because he was so busy influencing people, right? You've heard these solemn songs. All I want to do is just stay here with you, God. Yeah, that'd be nice. That's what we're all going to do for eternity. But right now we're working. Right now we're working. That makes sense to anybody in the room? Right now we're working. Yeah, that sounds great in theory. And I do want to do that. But right now we're working. Right now we got a responsibility to other people who aren't saved, aren't healed, aren't delivered. We got a responsibility to our Father to make sure we get that done as best we can. Right? It's going to take money, it's going to take work, it's going to take selflessness. I would suggest to you, it's just as selfish to want to curl up and spend all your time with God as it is to make money a big part of your life and let it dictate your life. They're the same. Either one can block you from going to work for God every day. Amen? So you just pick which one you want to argue about. It's all the same thing. You're either serving him where he sent you to serve him or probably in the wrong area. Amen? I mean, does that make sense to you? We're going to sing a song like that and record it in a studio that costs millions and spend millions marketing it. <laughs> you know? So really, no, you do need the world stuff. Am I right? I'll make I'll try to bring it home here because everybody seems to sleep this morning. How many of you have had success inviting people to church? Would it be easier if you had a big, beautiful church with a lot going on? What if they serve breakfast for free every morning and had a lunchtime meeting? For anybody that's at work, all the working men and women to come and eat, and they're preaching on big screen TVs around. You can sit there and talk, free internet, cafe, all that stuff. I don't even need you to answer. I don't even care what you would answer. I know the truth. It'd make it a lot easier. But we don't need money. Church doesn't need money. And we're failing. We don't need money. Oh, I don't want the world's riches. You don't want to take what the world's got and use it for the Lord? You're off. You don't get it. While you record your song in an $8 million studio, and you have this little this little childish thought that you don't want it, well, you shouldn't have done it then. You should have said, no, Lord, I'm not going to do any of that. I'm not going to take any of that. But you didn't say that. You're singing it, but you didn't do it. You're singing it, and it sounds good, but you sure didn't do it. That's an infantile thought to start with. We got Hey, you've got to be able to influence people. You've got to be able to influence people. You know what Apostle Paul said? He said, I'll become all things to all men so I might save a few. That's an attitude right there, isn't it? I'll be a Jew to that one, Gentile to that one, rich to this one, poor to that one, successful to this one, not so successful to that one. What does that mean? You got to have a lot of flexibility. You have to have a lot of different things going on, right? That just shoots the whole idea of the little poor church that's just barely making it that church can't be successful i'm talking to people god will always be successful our part in it though is kind of up to us you know i'm gonna say that again our part in it is kind of up to us just like your part in praise and worship is kind of up to you you know whether you really worship or not yeah you know i'm not gonna call it praise and worship i don't know whether you did or not right Amen? I don't know whether you praised him, worshipped him or not. I hope you did. It was a good time to do it. Maybe Maybe your thoughts were on other things and maybe rightly so. Maybe he's dealing with you about some things or maybe you're just so excited about some things he's doing in your life you didn't even hear the music. You just sat there and said, Lord, you're so great. I thank you. I thank you. You're worthy. I can't believe you did this for me. Either way, it's good. Right? So, in line with that, I just want to talk a little bit about some things that uh, um, are going on, and and I just don't want to get lost in the shuffle. And I, well, let me just—I tell you what—I know where I think we ought to start. Second Chronicles, two Chronicles seven. All right. Samuel, Kings, Kings, Chronicles. First and second. First and second. First and second. Yeah. Second Chronicles seven. Fourteen. Somebody knows that one. If my people, huh? Who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Turn from their wicked ways and I'll hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Heard this quoted ever? The Lord didn't send me here to to cause division or any of that kind of stuff this morning, but we do have to, we you know, it, it's important. Social media, different people that have platforms, they're quoting this stuff. They're quoting it, and they're putting it out there like America needs to do this. You notice I said like America needs to do this. Because when you do that, you don't understand dispensations. This is talking about the future. Read it for yourself. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, if they will humble themselves, pray and seek my face, and if they'll turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. This is talking about something that could possibly happen in the future. So why would I quote this now when I'm in the future looking back at it? (laughs) Anybody catching this? If my people will do these things, I'll forgive their sins and I'll heal their land. Right? I'm standing over here in Christ where sins are forgiven and my land is healed. Why am I still quoting that? Well, I'm still quoting that. I'm standing over here where this is done. The only reason I'd be doing that is because I don't know where I'm standing. I don't believe it's done. I'm still looking for something that I'm actually standing in. And if I'm looking for something I'm standing in, I can't have it and I don't have it because I don't know where I am. I think I'm over here plight of a church that doesn't know who they are does that make sense I'll hear from heaven forgive their sins Ephesians says I've been redeemed it doesn't say I will be if I do certain things it says I have been redeemed by the blood of of Jesus Christ I have been so I'm not going to sit here and say well if you know eh, eh, eh." no I'm over here And Ephesians was 2,000 years ago, and it said it then, so I'm even over here. Which is the same place, because it's a dispensation. And yet, I just make that point to let us know, we've been over here a while! (laughs) We didn't just get here. We got leaders. People in high places, as far as men are concerned. Not necessarily as far as God's concerned. But as far as men are concerned, we got people in high places that are still standing here preaching that. Y'all need to do this! We need to repent and do this. Now, we may need to repent, but we need to repent from over there, not from right here. There's a whole different whole different thing. Because over there, you're repenting is just confessing and realizing you're in Christ and receiving what he's given you by faith. Here, there's all kind of actions involved and in getting the priest involved and looking forward to what may or may not happen. And there, it's already done. There's a huge cavernous difference between here and over there, and I tell you, if anybody knew what they had over there, they'd never be talking about coming over here. <laughs> I know I'm not coming back over here. Apostle Paul said, you start circumcising people again. You start doing these things, honoring days and seasons and all this. Junk. He said, you'll fall from grace. I'm not going with the fall from grace, people. They can have it. I'll take all the grace God has. It says where sin abounded, grace abounded all the more. <laughs> you know, i gonna be over here where God's favor rests. Because that was looking to the day when God's favor might come. And, and, you know, we're over here where God's favor is. <laughs> Amen. Huge difference, guys. Devil don't want you to know that. He wants you to think there's really no difference and that scripture's just like water washing back and forth. It's not. There's a historical aspect to it. There's a timeline to it. And the biggest separator in the timeline is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. When he was resurrected, everything changed for anybody who would live after. You can't keep going back and forth like there's no difference. Or you know what's going to happen in your life? There ain't going to be no difference. I'll say it in southern slang so everybody can get it if you don't recognize the beauty and the majesty and the power of the Christ and his ministry and you keep flipping and flopping back and forth like there's no difference, you're gonna, you're gonna, you'll get no difference. But if you see the tremendous gift of the Son of God and you see that he died for the, the death that was due for all of us and you see he was resurrected from the grave itself, defeating the power of death, And God just thumbed his nose at it and said, come on back up. You can't go back over here and say this hadn't happened now. Because now it's based on your faith. And if you do that, you're taking yourself out. You know, It's almost like you're falling from grace. Now, it may not be saving grace, but it might be healing grace. It might be prosperous grace. It might be deliverance grace, because all those things are graces. <laughs> right? I'll hear from heaven and heal their land. Psalm 107, looking forward to that day, said he sent his word and healed them. <laughs> you know who the word is, don't you? John 1, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And the word became flesh. His name is Jesus. So when the word came, guess what? The land and the people and everything got healed. Amen? So what we were reading about just then, looking back this way, I'll hear from heaven and I'll heal their land. If you're in Christ, your land is perpetually healed, folks. So don't be praying for God to heal your land. That's like asking for another Savior. That's like asking for another Savior. I need Jesus to show up again. You crucify him again. I'm not really sure he did it. I'm not really sure it happened good the first time. I mean, really, isn't it? And it is. It's, it's one of those moments when you hear it put like that. It's kind of like, because exactly what it is. And Christians are trying to crucify him over and over and over and get saved over and over and over and get delivered again, get healed again, get their land healed again. They're trying to get blessed again. And the scripture is so clear. It is crystal. You know? And you say, well, why, 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 why? I'll tell you why. Because people don't believe it and they don't know it. You know? Because somebody left you an inheritance, you didn't know it, you'd never go get it. If the attorney kept the letter and didn't share it with you, your uncle left you $80 million, you never got the letter, you'd never go looking for it. Or if they handed you the letter and you didn't believe you even had an uncle, you could very well just say, that's, that's fake, I'm not believing that. And that money would just languish in the account. That blessing would just languish there in the account. And the uncle went on to his heavenly home, perhaps, thinking he took care of you. <laughs> and he did. He predestined you unto all those things. But you didn't go take advantage of it. Isn't that something? This is what my Bible says in Ephesians. It says this. Um, this is Apostle Paul speaking. He says, To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And I don't take Scripture lightly. I know God doesn't. So when he says unsearchable That means you could search it your whole life, and without revelation of the Spirit, you'd never get it all. There's so much in Jesus. You could plumb that thing your whole life, probably six, 10, 15 lifetimes. Never get it all. Amen? And he says, and to make all see, to make it visible to everybody, the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ? Who's the Word? In the beginning, what's the Word? The word's with God, right? But this is what I love in verse ten. He did all these things to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known through the church. We'll go back. The manifold wisdom of God might be made known through his church. Not for his church. A lot of people just sit there and just expect God to do all this stuff. Right? Their idea of faith is, yeah, okay, good. Good, God, go. I'm ready. God said, I'm going to let the rest of the world know what I've done and even the angels, the fallen angels, don't know what all I've done. And I'm going to reveal it on this grand stage, through my church. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church or through the church. Listen now, in case you don't believe me, to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Fallen angels are coming against us. Demons are coming against us. They don't even know the truth, guys. They don't know the power of Jesus Christ in the believer. They they, they they understand when they come against it that, that they fail. They don't know why. They don't know what the idea is. They don't know what salvation is. They don't know that how the blessing works. They don't know any of this. But it's being revealed by the church. Through preaching, teaching, through the faith of the church in everyday life. The church prospers. Even with bad things happening in the world. The church... It's being manifest in the church. <laughs> when they try to come against people that are filled with the Holy Ghost and they, and they can't get any traction. When they try to curse them and kill them and they don't die. And they could kill 10 regular people and it's no problem. But they come against one person that prays, stays full of the Word, filled with the Holy Spirit, and they can't get them killed and they get 10 of them together and can't get them killed. What are they learning? They're learning the manifold wisdom of God that's being revealed through the Church. There's something about this we can't overcome. There's a power higher than the power that we think we are, that we think we're hooked into through Satan. Does that make sense? To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known through the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. That's those people over in chapter 6 of Ephesians. He says we war against. Guys, they can't win unless we're just off our game because they don't know the game. Yeah, they don't know. They don't know. So we're at war with somebody that uses tactics. They basically just use our own stuff against us and our own lack of knowledge against us, and they don't even know what our victory is. Now, this is the good part too. He says, according to the eternal purpose I love this, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. What's left undone? What is left undone if his eternal purpose is accomplished in Jesus Christ? His eternal purpose, his full purpose for creation, mankind, everything has been accomplished in Jesus Christ. How are you going to get more blessed than that? How are you going to get more delivered than that? How are you going to get more healed than that? His eternal purpose is accomplished in Christ Jesus. How are you going to get more prosperous than what you can get through that? You think that by observing a few more things with your body, that that's going to do more than Christ has done when he accomplished the Father's eternal purpose? You think you're going to work your way into something that with your effort, you're going to be able to add something to the eternal purpose being accomplished? May I suggest you just believe what's been done? (laughs) Just believe what's been done and live like it right I'll forgive their sins and heal their land yeah and he did he did do it he did do it he forgave their sins all that are in Christ and he healed their land you've heard that right Galatians 3 we're no longer under the curse of the law the curses he's healed our land He's healed our land. And we're acting like we're still... Now, here's another one. And there's a beautiful song really about this one. The Lord brought this to my attention. And I'm not... I love the song. <laughs> but I want to make sure we understand it. it's number six. This is not as big a deal. But it is something that he put on my heart. I do just want... I want to mention it and see what he wants to bring out about it. Um... And I love this song. I sing it all the time. It's, it's not a mark on any of the artists or any of that kind of stuff. But there's this song, and it's a beautiful song, but it, it says, The Lord bless you and keep you. This is verse 24 of number 6. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Again, we have to be very careful. That song is a powerful song. But be careful what you're repeating. Because, again, that's standing over here, looking to the day that'll happen when it's accomplished in Christ. You understand? There's not going to be another accomplishment, right? So when, when you sit there and we say, may the Lord give us peace. Prince of peace. I have the prince of peace. Jesus said, my peace I give unto you. Why am I asking for peace? May he give you peace. He gave peace. He accomplished it in Christ Jesus. Again, if I'm not careful, I'm saying that I'm looking and waiting for the day or waiting for the moment to get something that has been fully given. Fully given. I want to tell you that's the smartest tactic in the world if you're the devil. There is no tactic There is more, and the word that came to my mind is just like he was in the garden. There was no creature more subtle than the serpent, more cunning. Because if you don't really have a weapon and you have to use somebody's own lack of knowledge against them because that's the only thing you have, then what you want to do is have them begin to unconfess the things that are theirs because it makes them feel good without them really realizing it. And so if they have peace, there's no better option than to have them sing, may the Lord bring me peace. It's the it's most cunning thing. That, I mean, you know, that's, that's like, I hate to give him credit, but it's mastery. Because when you start confessing something, number one, you're a confessing being. So you're confessing unfaith because you do have peace. And next thing you know, you're confessing, I can't wait till I get peace. You know, may the Lord bring me peace. And you already have it. It's just brilliant. But the other part is that your mind is hooked to those words and you begin to think, yeah, I need to make sure I pray for peace. I hope that I can get peace. And before long, you start looking for peace. You're looking for that peace you already have that indwells you, which is Christ in you, right? The Prince of Peace indwells you. So really, all you want to do is just say, thank you, Father, for my peace. And just tap into the peace that's in you. You're not going to be externally looking for anything because the source of peace, I'm not talking about, and please, just in case people think I'm preaching that we're God, I'm not. What I'm saying is, if you believe the Holy Spirit indwells you, then your source from God is in you. You're the temple. And the Holy Ghost is, lives in you and so does the word by the way because the law was in the ark right so the word is in you amen so you see what i'm saying i'm not saying you're the source of it that you can look in for inner peace <laughs> i'm not saying that i'm saying because jesus indwells the believer you know the word of god and you just confess what he's done for you and you receive of what he's already given and you can have it now you don't have to wait you not have, have to wait you don't have to wait for peace You don't have to wait to not be afraid. We've been told in the Bible, it's very clear. God said, I didn't give you a spirit of fear. So what's he saying? If you're experiencing that, cast that junk out and get back over here where you belong. Right? I mean, seriously. But you have people say, you know, if I could just get rid of this fear. Well, you did. You're in Christ. There's no fear in Christ. Jesus didn't have any fear. Jesus didn't have any fear of anything. He had reverent respect of his father. That was the only thing that drove him. He wasn't driven by fear. He didn't care if they stoned him. He said things that would have brought them to the point of stoning him so many times. You agree? He didn't have fear in him. Now, speaking of peace, because it says, May he be gracious to you and give you peace, which he already has done. That's in Ephesians, too. That's why I love Ephesians. Because it's like the finished work. It's like, a, it's like an essay on the finished work of God. You know, it's kind of cool, really. But I mean, in Ephesians 2, it literally says, For he himself, that is Jesus Christ, is our peace, who has made both one, that's talking about Gentiles and the Jews, and has broken down the middle wall of separation between us and God, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, now, it, when you read it, you've got to be careful because you almost think he's talking about the enmity between Jews and Gentiles. He's not. He's talking about the enmity between fallen man and God. He's broken down the wall that separated, having abolished through his flesh the enmity. And you know he's talking about between God and us because it says the law of commandments. The law, because we couldn't keep it and we were in sin, brought enmity between God and us. Right? Make sense? You know, enmity. Like, not quite anger, but just angst. Like, there couldn't be peace, right? Because there's this division. I can't be at peace with you. We don't see eye to eye. I mean, we're just totally on different ends of the spectrum, right? But because of Jesus Christ, that wall was done away with because the law that separated us was fulfilled in Christ, right? So the law of commandments contained in ordinances was done away with so as to create in Jesus one new man. That's why we say, as far as God's concerned, there's really only been one man since the fall. The new man, Christ, and every Christian is in Christ in that one man and redeemed through that one man. And therefore, that's how he is your peace. Because the fact that he had peace and you are a partaker of him and you dwell in him, you have what he has. You have his peace. You have his healing. You have his deliverance. Amen. You have, you have the prosperity of any promise in the Bible. That's why Second Corinthians 1.20 says, every good promise of God is yes in Christ. Does that make sense? If it could ever be promised from God before, then it's magnified in Christ. Because he he's the highest form of cleansing. He's the highest form of redemption. The law was just, just to basically cleanse our conscience. You understand? Jesus was to make us whole before a holy God and bring us into his house as sons. So if there was any promise of healing, miracles, anything outside of Christ... It became the most purest form of that same thing in Christ. That's why we say, "Be it in the time of Christ in the Church Age didn't do away with the miracles or the healing. No, if it did anything, it heightened it in Christ. <laughs> you see, Amen? Amen. So anyway, so I want to just mention this to you too. Now we're 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 really. Uh, on the cusp of, um, a lot of good things. And, um, if you, if you were to think about, um, I'm trying to think of where he wants me to go here. So many things we could say where we are right now, but how many of you have heard of, um, the idea of jubilee leviticus 25 i think it is let's look and see i think it is i don't i don't read this every day by any means you know but let's see yeah i think it is. yeah year of jubilee leviticus 25 All right you there you go on there And if, you, if Leviticus sounds weird, it is. But think about it. It has to do with the law. And the priests that ministered under the law were the sons of the tribe of Levi. Who's one of the 12 tribes of Israel. And the tribe of Levi were the priestly tribe. So it makes sense that it's Leviticus. In other words, the things that the priest carried out, the feasts and all those things, right? So when you think about Leviticus and it sounds weird, just like, oh, it's the things that Levi out, the, the priest and all those things. It's one way to kind of look at it, right? All right. So look at verse 8 there and you see the year of Jubilee, which I'm going to suggest to you. And you know, everything in here is a shade of something to come, right? The, sh- the law was like a forerunner of something that would come from god from heaven actually so jubilee well let's just say this every seven years there was a land sabbath in the seventh year you didn't till you didn't tend your vine you left the stuff alone and you just ate what grew naturally you did that in faith now i want you to think about this how many of you Trust God enough to not go to work on the seventh year and just believe he's going to supply all your need. Don't, don't raise your hand. Might not be many, but I mean, you know. Because, I mean, you think about it now. We we say we would. Reading it, it makes perfect sense. But how many church people can even get $10 every week just trust him for that? Or $100, you know? Or $1,000 a month. Whatever it is, how many church people really do that? How many of them, if you believe it's 10%, I'm not saying God laid on your heart this 10%, but that's a common number, right? If you believe it's 10%, how many people are pushed in faith to actually give 10%? It's more like seven. You know? You're talking about a people that didn't sow for a 365-day period and trusted God to supply food for the whole year. And most of the next year because they would sow after that year and there still had to be a growing season so what I'm suggesting is God is not talking about the kind of faith most Christians really have he's talking about something much greater he's talking about truly laying your life down for what You say you believe. It's not just some mental, eh, you know, yeah, it sounds good. Oh, I believe. Let me tell you something. The kind of faith God is suggesting, you'll never have to say you believe because people can see it. They'll say of you, that person believes. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it's just kind of interesting you read this. So every seven years, there was a land Fast, let's say, a Sabbath for the land. But every seven sevens, there was a tremendous one called Jubilee. And it meant something really big. And I want to talk about it from the aspect of faith, but just so you know, in Jubilee, almost every debt, well, every debt was released. And everybody got to move back to the land of their tribal ancestors, even if they sold it. Even if they went bankrupt and it was taken by the person who had the note, that person returned it free of charge in Jubilee. Faith. Faith. To say, yeah, I paid for that land. And here's the title back because it's Jubilee. Huh? I would say you don't see that in God's church today very often. In the churches today where you can barely find a Christian that'll just keep their word to pay back $100. And you're talking about people that took land, fields, homes, and returned them even after people went broke. Because God said so. And they had so much faith that God would make it up. Yeah, they still had to have faith, believe it or not. Because had they not, they would have said, hey, I ain't doing that. <laughs> you know, I'll give you ten bucks, but I, ain't, I can't do that. What would they say? The same thing we say today. Oh, I'll go broke if I do that. I can't loan you any money. I'll, I'll go broke. Right? Right? That's what Christians do, right? We're the ones that are supposed to do these things and we talk about them, but we can't do it. <laughs> right? How many ever how many you ever borrowed anything from a bank? I have. You ever borrowed anything from a Christian? Got a car loan from a Christian? Got a mortgage from a Christian? You ever got a business loan from a Christian? Why not? You're the church. You're the church, right? Are y'all the church? Amen. You never gotten a car loan from a Christian? Jesus said if somebody wants to borrow a loan to them, but you've never gotten a car loan from a Christian? You've never gotten a mortgage from a Christian? you never gotten a business startup loan from a Christian? Let me tell you what that means. Christians ain't acting like Christians. Am I being too harsh or am I just telling the truth? If any man will seek to borrow from you, give it to him. Now, I don't think he's suggesting if you know somebody's not gonna give you two cents, you shouldn't be smart. But what he's saying is somebody's in your church just struggling and trying and they want to start a business. If you have any means, you better say, hey, I'll loan it to you to help you get a piece of that or this to you know? But you just don't see that because they're just supposed to go to the bank. We pull ourselves out of the church and we go out in the world. And then we're tied into the world. <laughs> And our brothers and sisters, sometimes, let's be honest, they force us to do it. Do churches have lending institutions? I don't mean banks. I just mean a setup whereby people can get a loan without paying a lot of interest so they can start a business. Some of them do. I'd like for ours to. You know, you fit certain criteria, and yeah, a church loans you $20,000, $50,000, $100,000. Not the church, but the people of the church who give and then that person starts a business. What do we expect from them? They hire Christians. They teach them by example how to be a Christian business owner, how to be true, how to take care of your employees, not cheat them. How to help provide for them. Give them a little health insurance, not not give them anything. Right? And what does that do? People out in the community see that kind of stuff and say, man, those people are acting like Christians. They're really, but no, they're really acting like Christians. They're like Loving each other. <laughs> Which would freak most Christians the heck out. Excuse my line. Because they've never seen it. Even though they're supposed to have been around it all this time. Right? Am I lying? I'm not meaning to. I'm not feeling conviction from the Lord on any of this. Yeah. But I just want to read a few of these. Can I read a few of these with you? And just what it says here. Um, you shall count seven Sabbaths of years for yourself. And that'll be 49, right? And then you shall cause the trumpet of Jubilee to sound. And I'm going to read verse 10 there of uh, Leviticus 25. You shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land to its inhabitants. Can you imagine what that was like? Freedom to everybody who'd been bought and paid, made a slave. It shall be a jubilee for you. Joyful time. And each of you shall return to his possession. Each of you shall return to his family. That 50th year shall be a jubilee to you. In it, you shall neither sow nor reap what grows of its own accord. Nor gather the grapes of your untended vine. For it's jubilee. It'll be holy to you. And you'll eat of its produce from the field. You won't, even, you won't do anything in the field. You just go out and pick and eat. Right? In this year of jubilee, each of you will return to his possessions. And if you sell anything to your neighbor or buy from your neighbor's hand, you shall not oppress one another. Christians, you shall not oppress one another. High interest, hard terms. Hmm. I'm just those are just some things that come to mind. You know. Now, don't get me wrong. And I, I, I just the Holy Spirit puts. So if you work for somebody else, you gotta do what they do. That doesn't make you a non-Christian. I'm talking about you yourself because we have people that work for companies that sell homes or sell cars or do whatever and you got to do what that company does and if that's where you're working that's where God puts you you can't cheat the owner just to try to keep jubilee because it's not your stuff that you're giving. so I don't want anybody to be you know misled right if God put you there to be a light there at the car dealership Or at the mortgage company, and you happen to think your mortgage rates are a little too high, you can't make them lower just to be and say, and God's gonna keep you because of Jubilee. No, you're stealing from that owner. (laughs) You don't own it. What we're talking about is in the things that you have control over, that you own, how you treat people. And if you start a company, then you should follow this. Probably. I can't I hate to tell people what to do because you gotta have the faith to do it. And I can't make you have faith, so I don't want you to get out of whack. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I'm just reading what it says, right? So 50th year be a jubilee. It is the Jubilee. It shall be holy unto you. Um, I love this. Each you return to his possession. If you sell anything from your neighbor, buy anything from your neighbor, don't oppress each other. According to the number of the years after the Jubilee, you shall buy from your neighbor. And according to the number of years of crops, he shall sell to you. According to the multitude of years, you shall increase its price. And according to the fewer number of years, you shall diminish its price for, that he sells to you. According to the number of the years of the crops. And everything was agriculturally based, basically. You can, you can extrapolate that to our lives, right? This is what it says. (laughs) Therefore, you shall not oppress one another. It keeps saying this. (laughs) But you shall fear your God. Why does he keep saying that? He really wants you scared of him? No, but he wants you more scared of him than you are not not being willing to give somebody back what's theirs at Jubilee. (laughs) He wants you more scared of what he'll do to you than your fear of not having all your money when you don't oppress somebody. Does that make sense? He wants you more worried about him than having to keep money back and not give everything back as a possession. He's saying, I'm not going to deal rightly with you. In other words, I'm not going to continue to bless you unless you move by faith in these things I'm asking you to do. You're going to treat each other well. You're not going to oppress each other. You're going to return somebody's blessing back to them at Jubilee. You're going to do it. And I want you more scared of me than you are scared of not doing that. Right? Boy, we missed that somewhere in Christianity somehow. It, like, it just seems like. And I love it. You shall not oppress one another, but you shall fear your God. I am the Lord your God. So you'll observe my statutes and keep my judgments and perform them. I love it. Not keep them up here. You'll observe them, that is read them. But a lot of people read them and don't do them, right? And he says, and you shall keep them. <laughs> you know, I love that part. God's like, he, he's not gonna let, because what do we do? We start reasoning away legally in our mind. Like, well, he did say observe them, so I read them. Did I actually have to do them all? Not all of them. So, Just so we wouldn't do that. Just so we wouldn't do that. You'll observe my statutes and keep my judgments and perform them. And then, then he says this, and you'll dwell in the land safely. Somebody say amen. You'll dwell in the land safely. What price would you put on knowing your kids dwell in the land safely? On knowing you and your wife dwell in the land safely? On knowing you and all your family, extended family, dwell in the land safely? A promise from God. If you treat each other this way, I'll, I'll keep you safe. People are looking for all kind of junk to keep them safe today. God says, hey, you just love one another. I'll keep you safe. By the way, this is a good part too. Then the land will yield its fruit. It doesn't say you'll do anything. It says if you just keep my love for one another, don't oppress one another, have more fear in not doing what I tell you to do than doing it. You see what I mean? If you'll just do it, you'll dwell safely. Then the land will produce for you. He's trying to start a business, not producing for you, right? You'll eat your fill. How many of you like that idea? That means you'll have plenty, right? And you'll dwell there in safety. And if you say, and if you say, what shall we eat in the seventh year since we shall not sell or gather produce? If you say that, then I will command my blessing on you in the sixth year, and it'll bring forth enough for three years. Now, I want you to see this. And for me, this just keeps your eyes on God, right? Because we tend to think that what we buy is ours. You ever bought land, your land? Let me say it's, it's our place. It's our land. Let me tell you what God told Israel. Now I'll just read it, and you can read it too. Verse 23, the land shall not be sold permanently, for the land is mine. For you are strangers and sojourners with me. And in all the land of your possession, you shall grant redemption of the land. I love this part. If one of your brethren becomes poor, got your attention? God's people were not poor. Let that settle on you for a minute. God didn't expect his people to be poor. He said, and if one becomes poor, because most were not, and that would be the outlier, all these people who believe that Christianity is about poverty and giving away everything and wearing third owner clothes and stuff like that, hear the word of the Lord. If one of my people should become poor, right? There's a plan. If one of your brethren becomes poor and has sold some of his possession, that's to be his land. And if his redeeming relative comes to redeem it, then he may redeem it. You with me? Now, it goes through that and it says, it goes through that it goes through that and it's just about redeeming about redeeming because you can redeem before Jubilee but ultimately you know what it says whether they redeem it or not when Jubilee comes give it back to them if they become poor and have to hawk something of theirs because they hit a low spot when Jubilee comes they get it back now think about this this is what God was asking his people to do but do you think that God would do that All right. some of you nodded your head yes If I had dollar bills, I would hand them out. But I don't. But I have before. You know I would. Jubilee. Seven sevens, 49. The next year, 50. Jubilee. You with me? Pentecost was 50 when the Holy Spirit was given. Right? Tell you what Jesus pre-preached before Pentecost the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor because what happens in Jubilee the poor get their inheritance back Jesus said I'm here to preach Jubilee man I'm here to preach good news to the poor you ready he sent me to heal the broken heart of, to proclaim liberty to the captives and what was Jubilee liberty freedom. You remember, it literally said liberty, to to proclaim liberty throughout the land. Jesus said, I'm here to talk about Pentecost, or excuse me, Jubilee, right? And recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. What do we keep reading? Don't oppress your neighbor. Now, if God was telling you to do it, let me tell you, it's because He doesn't do it. So when Jubilee comes, God's not oppressing you anymore. So we don't say one day when he gives us peace, one day when we get deliverance, one day when we, he's, we got it. We got it. Amen? Amen? To proclaim, oh my goodness, I love this part. Jesus said, "I'm I've come to proclaim the acceptable year, which really means season, but year of the Lord. What year? jubilee. We are in it. Yeah. We are in it. We are in the acceptable year of the Lord. Liberty from sickness. Liberty from poverty. From deliverance from demonic spirits. Right? This is where we live right now. If you're not experiencing it, go back and read it until it makes sense to you, until it rises up in you and begin to declare it. Then begin to just praise Him right there where you are and thank Him for it. When you begin to believe it, you begin to thank Him for it, even though you may not be seeing it yet, that's faith. Then let me tell you what happens. Then it starts coming upon you and overtaking you. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. So I'm going to ask if you have... um, Let's see. Josh, will you come play something? I know it's kind of out of character, but yeah. Just just anything soft kind of thing. But uh, So if anybody was feeling sick, like maybe COVID symptoms or any kind of symptoms, there's oil if you feel like you need it, but I just want to say, can we all stand up? Yeah. If anybody was feeling sick right now, Father, I just thank you for this. I just praise you. I'm gonna ask you to just stretch out your hand like this to heaven, to the throne where Jesus is, amen? And if anybody was feeling sick right now, Father, and they would just say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that I'm in you. And right now, partake of all that you are. I partake of all that you are. And I thank you for the healing that's in your body for me. Thank you for the healing. It's in your body for me. I believe it and I receive it. I thank you that every infirmity, illness, and disease runs from me in Jesus' name. So, if anybody is dealing with an addiction or some kind of demonic oppression, we would say, demons, you unclean spirits. You're here illegally. This is the body of Christ. You can't... Afflict the body of Christ, Lord Jesus. We see you. We see you having set us free. We see you. And we cry out, Jubilee in Christ. I've been set free. We are set free. Unclean spirits be gone. We're set free. You have no hold over us. We bind you in Jesus' name. And in the place where you've departed joy and peace joy and peace in Jesus Christ Father if somebody hasn't received you yet through Jesus Christ they haven't come and become one of your children through Jesus Christ if they would even just say now where they are Lord Jesus I see it I see you died for me And I've never publicly, I've never publicly told everybody that I've seen it. That you're my Savior. You died in my place. So I would give an invitation right now. Anybody having done that, just walk up front. Because the Bible says, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father. So publicly walking forward and saying, Jesus, I've seen it and you're my Savior. Father, we would pray for that person right now. Having done that, we know they become a new creation in you through Christ Jesus and that their names are permanently written in the Lamb's book of life. Thank you for it. I'm going to ask you now, if there's anything else on your heart while the body of Christ is here, while our hands are stretched outward, you could confess that under your breath and just say, Jesus, I thank you for taking this from me. Thank you for handling this for me. I thank you that you died for this for me, or your wounds and stripes took care of this for me, and I leave it here at this place in this empty building, and when I'm gone, I'm not carrying that burden out with me. I roll that care onto you and I won't take it back up I'm going to trust you I'm going to trust you I'm going to trust you I'm going to have faith and if any of us have been oppressing our neighbor I would just say right now in your breath Jesus I'm so sorry I never saw it like that and I just confess Thank you that your blood cleanses me from all unrighteousness. And I feel so light, I feel free because of what you've done. And I don't want to do that anymore. Thank you for showing it to me. Father, we just praise you for who you are. Amen. 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 Love you guys. Um, Wednesday night, I think Eric probably reminded you. I'm sure he did. But Wednesday night, don't forget, 7 o'clock. And um, God's good.